0: Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the DealMaker Show. So today we have a powerhouse as a guest. I think that we're going to be learning quite a bit from her and her journey is quite remarkable. She's also coming out with a really exciting book and she's going to be telling us all about it. So I guess without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Kara Golden. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: So born in Minneapolis, but then moved to Arizona. So tell us about life growing up.
1: That sounds like a song, right? Born in... <laughs> <laughs>
0: totally. Right? Totally. Um,
1: yeah. So, you know, my dad didn't want to shovel snow anymore. And I think he just uh, threw his finger down on a map to try and figure out where was the obvious place that there wouldn't be the snow. So at least in, in Scottsdale. So we uh, we moved there and uh Yeah pretty pretty crazy it was a, it was a 100,000 people back then so it was a pretty small town compared to wow. what it is now
0: and obviously you got the influence back then early because your father was kind of an entrepreneur is that right
1: yeah he was uh developed a product inside of a major food company armor food company um the product was called healthy choice and actually originally it was called dinner classics and he uh you know was really actually developing this product because my mom and she was in her mid 40s decided to go back to work and she you know had I was the last of five kids she had taken some time off um you know kind of renegade especially you know sort of looking in the rearview mirror and sort of seeing what she did but she had decided she really wanted to go into retail and my dad obviously when you she, When she was starting out, she was sort of starting out at the bottom and actually doing retail, eventually um, got into doing some uh, buying and, and kind of personal shopping and things like that. But um, she was having to work evenings. And so, you know, my dad, instead of learning to cook, my dad worked for this food company. And so he developed this idea um, that really would allow him to have, you know, better quick dinners that you just had to heat up. And so I, you know, watched him as a little kid, um, develop these. And I think the thing that's so interesting today and really where no matter what industry you're in that I, I think about that my dad was really on the forefront of was, um, kind of telling the story and, and really understanding that consumers ultimately didn't care just about. You know, a great product and you know pretty pictures on the packaging, uh, but also what is the backstory? And I he always believed that that there were consumers out there that actually really did care, and in, in the case of food, about sourcing and you know and and kind of why you did it. And so the original packaging for Healthy Choice, um, you know, they've lost it today, but the original was really kind of sharing those stories. So I think there were a lot of things that I learned, not just from, you know, my dad, but also my mom in terms of finding your passion. And it's never too late. And it's okay to switch industries that, you know, she really enforced in me that you got to do what you believe in, but also things that get you excited to get up every day and work on. And so, I think there were there were a lot of lessons, you know, that I learned from both of them and also having older brothers and sisters, too, that were a little bit ahead of me. I I was just watching very carefully and not not only what to do, but also what not to do. I had naughty brothers that did also all kinds of bad stuff. So along the way. So I was able to learn from them, too. So, uh, yeah.
0: And obviously that the. I'm sure that it influenced your drive early on because right after graduating you came all the way to New York City. I mean, why how did you manage to say okay, I'm going to make this big uh, jump and go to the to the big city?
1: Yeah, so I had always really looked at New York as um, you know, kind of this dream thing that I had seen in in the movies as a place that I wanted to go to and um and when I was I was a journalism major, had gone to school in Arizona, was a journalism major um, and a minor in finance. And I loved um, Fortune Magazine. I I was like, Fortune Magazine had really taught me. I also read the Wall Street Journal um, at the time, but I thought it was a a little more complicated, obviously, than Fortune Magazine. But I thought, oh, it'd be really great to move to New York and go work for Fortune. And and so uh, you and I, we're talking about this a few minutes before this started, but I have a book coming out in a couple of weeks and I, uh, I talk about, you know, how I kind of went about it, which was really kind of an unconventional way of going to New York and finding a job. I, I took a plane, um, to New York and, uh, literally like marched into, um, the human resources office at, um, at fortune, which is also, um, it was under timing. Time Magazine's umbrella. And so uh, this is before there was security in the building and marched to the HR department and said, I want to work for Fortune Magazine. And they said, do you have an appointment? And I said, no, but I wrote a letter to the then editor Marshall Loeb. And um, he wrote me a, you know, if you're ever in the New York area, let me know. And so I said, I have this letter. And, you know, the poor people that were sitting back behind the desk and the um uh, human resources department didn't know what to do with me because they had just never really seen somebody just show up and so i um i ended up the head of human resources came out and said listen you know i think what they meant was if you're ever coming to new york maybe you should uh you should reach out to us and let us know and perhaps there's a way to get an appointment but um i you know, wasn't going to take that literally and instead just showed up. And while there was no opportunity in fortune, I said, listen, I'm going back. And the next day I was wondering if there's anything else in the building. And that's when I got, um, an interview and ultimately an opportunity with time in their circulation department. So I think it's a lesson of sometimes we dot too many of the I's and cross too many of the, the T's. Um, and you know, and, it, instead just kind of reach out and try. Right. And, yeah. and especially when you do things a little bit differently and, you know, I think clearly personality probably weighs in there. If nothing else, I I figured that, you know, they might actually, I don't know, it'd be a, kind of a funny story if they kicked me out of the building. Right. And I'm just this poor <laughs> college student. Um, and it ended up, you know, working out just great. So, Uh, so again, I think that's, you know, that was kind of the beginning of my New York story. And then, um, not only was, was circulation just incredible, um, experience for me. And frankly, what I think is the backbone for terrific e-commerce and lifetime value and subscription business overall, but I think it's, uh, you know it it taught me a lot, and it also you know taught me that the way to um sometimes people will say to me uh the like that that previous job was a waste of time or this and and I always tell people what I've learned on my journey is that nothing's a waste of time what yeah. the the that the things that you do may be a stepping stone to the next thing, or they may be a reason why you don't want to do that anymore or whatever it is, but it's all part of your journey.
0: Absolutely. It's all about the journey. And in this case, this journey, it took you five years being there in Time Magazine before you made the switch. So what triggered the switch to CNN?
1: Yeah. So, you know, the the key thing for me, it was that I, I loved my time at at time. But the the it, it was an, an interesting time where I had gone to Arizona State University and, you know, was in state tuition, which was what we could afford to do um, growing up and got a great education. Um, but when I got to time, what I realized is that everybody had gone to an Ivy League school. And I hadn't gone to an Ivy League school. And so I was looking at, do I go to business school? Do I, you know, how do I fit in here better? Um, And that's when, because those were the people that were ultimately getting promoted. And, um, you know, I think maybe time has changed uh, over time, but especially when I was there, it was, um, time was really known for kind of having that, culture, um, there of just very, um, super Ivy league and, you know, primarily, uh, people who had grown up on the East coast and that obviously wasn't me. So I thought when I got a phone call from a headhunter to come and talk to CNN, I saw this gentleman, Ted Turner, who was larger than life and, you know, was clearly not kind of the, typical, um, Ivy league and, and person that was, um, kind of bound by, um, I don't know, he was swearing. He was, you know, he was very, very different. And, and so, but also he was married to a person that I sort of, um, really looked at fondly, uh, Jane Fonda. I, 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 had viewed her as somebody that was um you know inspirational, and I thought if nothing else, maybe I could get a role um at c n n and and meet Jane Fonda like that'd be just so cool along along the way but um little did I know that what I was really learning from that environment in particular, and again it was you know a great great learning it was kind of c n n had was just getting going and um it was incredible to watch. Um, But the other thing that I learned is that I had worked for two very different cultures. And so when I ultimately decided to start my own company, I think that culture has always been, you know, really kind of important to me because I've paid attention to what I liked and what I didn't like from various cultures that I've worked in.
0: So what's the thing that you like the most from let's say all these cultures that you've worked for uh, or with, you know, what's what's one culture that that you knew that when you were starting your business, I'm definitely, you know, taking this with me.
1: So I think at AOL, um, which came after, actually there was a small startup um, that was a spin out of Apple that I worked at that was a little known Steve Jobs idea that was doing CD-ROM shopping Um, that I worked at when we were acquired by AOL and ultimately became the backbone for their e-commerce and shopping. Um, But what I learned and part of it was from to market, but then part of it was um, which was the name of this company, but then part of it was AOL um, was uh, move quickly. And, and I think that that in many ways is something that as we've grown our company, I mean, today, 15 years later, Hint is the largest non-alcoholic beverage in the U.S. that doesn't have a relationship with Coke, Pepsi, Dr. Pepper, Snapple. Um, So we've been able to build something from scratch into, you know, arguably a top five um, beverage company and clearly in the world um, that I feel like We've been able to do that because we don't take a long time in order to um, make decisions. And I think like that's the problem with large companies overall is that you end up having lots of, you know, red tape in order to, you know, it's hard to do things. Right. And so I think that that's what I saw at AOL was just go try um, and. You know, and you'll make mistakes, but hopefully you, you know, will make more, um, you know, good things happen than than actually mistakes along the way. Um, But uh, the other cultures, too. I mean, I think CNN was like that to some extent. I felt like the culture at time um, was very buttoned up. Everybody was very nice um, all the time as my. I I think I put this quote on social media the other day. My, my boss at time used to tell me like judge people by their actions, not by what they say, because people, um, you know, can be very, very nice, but they don't necessarily help you. Right. Like there's that, that kind of culture, um, that I, and, and then on the flip side, you know, at CNN, if you didn't do something right, I felt like, um, you know, somebody would run down the hall and start screaming and cursing at you. You would never hear that in these other, in, you know, these other cultures. Um, So, uh, again, when I decided to start my own company, I think when you live in lots of different cultures, you're able to kind of pick out the pieces that you like and pick out the ones that you don't like. And ultimately one where I think, you know, you... You think is the best right and and I think it's um, you know it's one that I'm very very proud of, and um, being you know kind to people, being inclusive, but also you know making sure that we're listening to the consumer at all times and um, and you know ultimately making a great product, but not being afraid um, to to continue to do what's right you know for for our employees and also for our customers
0: absolutely always with integrity and delivering on your promise so i guess uh, here obviously aol was a nice segue i mean there you helped to build a business that was that ended up being acquired by aol into billions of dollars but but this was really what what made you think that that you can do it yourself too so Tell us about how you came across the problem and then how you came about with bringing Hint to life.
1: Yeah. So I had taken a couple of years off. I didn't plan on taking a couple of years off, um, but basically what happened is it was a billion dollars in revenue to AOL, and I was commuting from my home in San Francisco to Virginia or New York, and I thought you know i i remember one day getting on a united flight and the pilot knew my name and i thought oh that's really scary like i wonder if a lot of people <laughs> get on planes and the pilot knows your name i mean that's just i'm getting on this plane a little too often and so i thought you know i had th- i i was actually pregnant with my um uh, when my when i decided that i was going to leave i was pregnant with my third child and um that was really when I said, listen, I've got these young kids. I want to be closer to home in San Francisco. There was plenty of companies that were, you know, going in, in the Bay Area, but um not as many in San Francisco. There were more, you know, this is like the oh two, oh three time period. There were more down in Silicon Valley and like Palo Alto area, which at the time, I mean, I laugh now because it was maybe a half an hour commute. And I was like, I don't want to commute a half an hour. I want to be able to be home with my family and also work and do something. And now that same commute would be easily over an hour. But um, but anyway, that that was really kind of the thinking that I just wanted to do something a little closer to home. And I think for me, um, like a lot of other people, I mean, 9-11 was a time when I you know, really stopped for a minute and thought, gosh, is this really what I want to do with my life? If there's no tomorrow, am I actually doing something that is, you know, better for people? And while I'm proud of everything that I built, I, I felt like the, you know, doing shopping on, on AOL did not, um, it was not giving me the same kind of, like feeling that maybe I thought a nonprofit would or something that would actually, you know, really help to change lives, um, for the better. And so I looked for a lot of those different opportunities in nonprofits, thinking that the way to actually do good is purely through nonprofit. And, um, I think in many ways, my experience with AOL kind of ruined me. Like I talked about before the, um, the, the speed side of things, you know, things just got done. And when I looked at these nonprofits, they were just moving very slowly, including like the interviewing process. And I just thought, gosh, this is going to make me insane if I sit there and, you know, live in a world where everything, you know, takes too long to get things done. And so on a parallel path, I thought, I'm going to take this time to really get healthy. Um, I had gained uh, increasing weight, I should say, over the course of my pregnancies, but also I developed um, terrible adult acne, and my energy levels were going down, and and um, so had health issues that were not necessarily defined. There was no like diagnosis of any sort, but it just wasn't me. It was something that I wanted to change, and so what I really focused on exercising. We had just there had just been a new store called Whole Foods, which opened in San Francisco. I thought, gosh, you know, there's there's these opportunities that are um, you know, in front of me um for potentially for doing better, but why don't I actually do better for myself and for my family too? And, you know, get healthier. And and I really focused on the food that I was eating. Um, and nothing was changing. I was actually eating fairly well but then one day i looked at my label on my diet soda that i was drinking diet coke in particular and i noticed that you know it had over 30 ingredients and the ingredients i couldn't understand the ingredients in the and you know the drink that i was putting in my body every day and again being a new mother too here i had been so focused on what i was putting in my kids body but not in my own and that's when i thought gosh like, this is crazy. I've given this a pass for so many years and maybe I should actually, you know, pay a little closer attention. So I, I put the diet soda that I had been drinking for years to the side and swapped it for plain water, but then realized that I just wasn't a water drinker. Like I said, I grew up in Arizona. I should have been drinking a lot more water. Um, You know, you're from Madrid. Like it's the same kind yeah. of thing. You think, you know, but I was one of those people that just didn't like water. And, you know, I aspired to be a water drinker, but I just wasn't. So I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in the water. And again, was, you know, looking for this in in the store because I wanted something that was already in the bottle. Um, I had never really even looked around at other beverages other than diet soda. That was pretty much all that I had bought in the stores. And that's when I realized that all of these things that were called water that had some kind of flavor in it were either filled with sugar. Um, vitamin water was out on the market, and Vitamin Water's original product had more sugar in it than a can of Coke, um, which didn't say that on the label. Like it seemed to me, like vitamin and water, it shouldn't really be, you know, unhealthy at all. And um, and that's when I really realized how the decks are so stacked against consumers to actually figure out what they're buying in stores and particularly around the drinks. And um, and while I was going through this process, a couple of weeks into just drinking water with some fruit in my glass, I ended up losing over 24 pounds in two and a half weeks, like it was literally melting away. And so that's when I really took a closer look at diet sweeteners. And so today, you know, as I mentioned, you know, the growth of our company over the last 15 years, I think I'm known for being an advocate against, you know, not just sugar. I tell people like sugar in moderation is, is, probably better than even these diet sweeteners that actually trick your body into believing that they're, you know, doing good and trick your, you know, brain into thinking. And so, you know, at that time when I started too, the other thing that I thought was interesting, and again, I hadn't had any beverage experience. I was purely looking at this from a consumer perspective is, you know, this idea that all of these things on the shelf, you think that there's somebody. Checking right, like the diet soda and the vitamin water, and what I realized is that you know it's a huge business, and you know that the consumer ultimately loses. And and things like type two diabetes were two percent of the population when I started. Hand, today, it's forty to forty five percent of the population has type two diabetes or pre diabetes, and most of those people that are you know diagnosed with this you know horrible disease are um you know claiming to drink zero zero calorie things so why haven't we put the connection together around these diet sweeteners and health because they yeah. just run on these parallel you know paths and so again i never started a beverage company thinking oh i'm going to you know that's my dream and whatever for me it was just to develop a product that wasn't in the market. And our, my goal was never to, um, sort of go and compete against the soda companies. Cause I really believed that they were on a different path and the path of, um, you know, getting people to enjoy soda. Mine was on a path to move people to enjoy water. And, oh. and that's really what I've always been focused on.
0: So obviously the rest is history. So, so how big is Hint today?
1: Um, so you know, we're estimated at a couple hundred million. Um, so we're still private company, but yeah. um, but pretty big for really you good. know, yeah. And and a different way of doing business too. I think another thing that we're really known for is. Um, you know, obviously other industries have, have done this, but e-commerce, which is again, something that I had spent some time on is, um, now 55% of our overall business. Um, so if you look at the large soda companies and beverage companies that are out there, um, they may, you know, talk about e-commerce as being, as being very important and big, et cetera, but they're funneling things through. funneling that business through Amazon, which of course, you don't have the relationship with the consumer. Amazon has a relationship with the consumer. So we do still do business with Amazon and and love doing business with Amazon, but view Amazon as a retailer no different than a Target or Costco or um, Whole Foods versus our own direct to consumer business is where, you know, we have that relationship with the consumer. And um, and all the data around it
0: so now you're actually coming with a book which is very exciting uh it's going to come out very soon and it's called undoubted so it's uh, overcoming doubts and doubters and obviously you have to do that left and right where when you're an entrepreneur just like you were saying no uh, earlier so so what are people the people that are listening what are they going to be able to find in this book
1: yeah so I decided to write the book because in in my travels and and speaking um commitments throughout the past few years what I noticed is that you know you always have like a Q&A session or usually you have a Q&A session at at the end and people would you know stand up and ask me these questions and and almost make statements in in the questions and sort of you know wondering either how i how i did it or um or should they do it and usually they would also say things like unlike you i have fears i have doubts um you know all of all of these things that i actually did have and what i fundamentally believe most people have and and one day a couple of years ago i responded um that I felt like the key difference between me and them or people that feel this way is that I try and that I don't actually allow walls to get too big in front of me. I've definitely had doubts. I've definitely had doubters. I've definitely had fears and failures, but the but what I do after these things happen is recognize oh, that's why that happened. That's why I got that job at Time and Circulation and not the job that I wanted at Fortune because ultimately I was going to be running e-commerce at AOL or running an e-commerce business inside of Time where I can like li- literally sit there and connect these dots along the way. And so I felt like I, I was writing this book for four years on all my travels, building hints, And I thought if I can actually put a lot of these stories down for um, other people to read these stories, then maybe it will give people inspiration and ability to actually go and try. And, you know, as I talked about earlier, I think that, you know, the 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 key thing for people is really understanding that they can do it and that entrepreneurs don't have it all figured out. I mean, if you talk to, you know, any entrepreneur who's done something incredible in any industry, they didn't have, you know, these are the five things that you need to go do and then you're going to go and build, you know, this incredible company. Instead, they just went and tried and they were super aware. Um, I think another thing is Cheryl Sandberg, um, who reviewed the book early on, said to me um, that, you know the key thing is is that you didn't really pay attention to the fact that you could fail instead you just kept going and you kept trying and then you were gaining these wins along the way and so I think like that it's it's just it's so needed and especially you know we're recording this obviously hopefully coming out of covid right we're we're really um you know trying to be optimistic but um I think like the key thing for so many people today even if you don't choose to be an entrepreneur is the idea that you um you know that sometimes it's it, you get in front of you or you get in your own way I should say, say right like it's it's um you know it's not that you can't do something it's that you've told yourself that you don't have permission to go try but when you hear many people who have founded company stories um, you know, you'll see that they didn't have it either. And and also I think another piece of this too is that it's, um, I think entrepreneurism has been glamorized over the years and um, a lot of people don't really hear the hard stories. And I often, I spend about five hours a week um, mentoring other entrepreneurs. And what I say to people is there's way easier ways to make money. Um, you know, there's especially if you want to have a family. I mean, I you know started this company when I had four kids under the age of 6. Um, it's definitely doable, but you know, it's a, it's a big commitment and you better be doing something that you think really has, you know, purpose and meaning and that you are excited to get up to every single day because it's not all glamorous. It's very lonely, especially if you're ahead of the consumer. And you know you're up against large companies like Coke and Pepsi, and and lots of games that they play. And pick your industry. I mean, it's the same kind of conversation and all these different industries. But I think that book needed to be um, written um, because it's it's a pretty unique perspective uh, in many ways, and it's not a oftentimes stories, entrepreneurs and stories will be written and. And then, you know, it ends badly, right? This is a great this is a great story. I mean, Hint has been able to, you know, build to be the company that it is today. Um, but it's been a lot of hard work. And and I think like people need to hear that too. And it's not um, you know, everything from uh you wrote a book before on fundraising. I mean, I talk about that too. People will say that harder to raise money as as a woman and and I, I'm like, I've never been a man. So I don't know, right? I, I just can tell you that I don't love fundraising, you know, just being transparent. I hate it, right? <laughs> did I have to go to, Did I have to go to more than maybe a male founder? I don't know. I mean, I could guess, but I don't really know yeah. for sure. And, but at the end of the day, it didn't matter because I was gonna get it done. And I was going to figure out a way to get it done, and I think that that is the mindset that people need to have.
0: Absolutely. So, for everyone that is listening, you should get it done and get your copy on October twentieth. So, Kara, for the people that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi?
1: Yeah, care uh, on all social channels, Kara Golden. That's K A R A G O L D I N, and yeah, and the book's in pre order right now on Amazon. It's also on our. Um, site at um, my same name as well. So caragolden.com.
0: Amazing. Well, Cara, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker Show today. Thank you for having me. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help,